0: Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I'm, uh, I'm excited to preach to you today. I hope that you're ready for the Word of God. I hope you're ready to respond. I hope you brought your faith this Sunday morning. I hope brunch isn't on your mind. Push it out of your mind. And, uh, and, and uh, let's feast on the Word of God. Church joke. Um, today I want to speak to you about Jesus and His mother. Jesus and his mother. We've been in a series looking at the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ in our lives and our ministry in light of him. And I want to today take a look at this relationship on this Mother's Day, this relationship between Jesus and his mother. And we know that motherhood is sacred. It is holy. I thought I was going to get more amens on that. (laughs) It is sacred and It is holy. By the way, that is why the enemy is attacking it so much, because it is an institution of the Lord. It is holy. And and through motherhood, God gives the gift to bring life. And the gift to bring life is very godly. I'd almost even say godlike. And God chose to reveal himself to humankind through a mother. You know, Jesus ascended from earth into heaven, he could have just descended. He could have shown up, preached the Sermon on the Mount, began right there. But instead, he chose to enter, uh, to enter time and space through a mother. And, and it's a very holy thing. And, and through her travail, God chose Mary. And so in this church, we honor motherhood. We honor woman, We, we honor the family. And we believe that it is absolutely designed by God, cannot be replicated, cannot be duplicated. It is holy and it is set apart. And and I want to take a look at uh, the one that God chose to reveal himself through Mary, the mother of Jesus. If you turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, we're going to be in this book kind of quite a bit throughout this sermon and in this chapter. We're going to start at Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. This story is known as the Annunciation. This is when the angel Gabriel arrived to marry a young woman. She was in the city of Nazareth in Galilee up in the mountains. It was a tiny, tiny little town, maybe less than a thousand people. And for some reason, God chose this place this time and this woman to reveal Himself to humanity through and and so you know even just this past week we stood in uh, in the location where there's a church of the Annunciation which is re- remembering when Gabriel the angel came to Mary and announced the salvation of mankind. He says greetings to you are highly favored of the Lord and he begins to lay out what is going to happen that she's going to conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit and have a son and, and this this young man will. Be Emmanuel, God with us, and He will rescue His people. And Mary's response really matters in this moment because all of it is over the top. All of it is outlandish. She's a young woman, very difficult to comprehend, but her response is very powerful. And that's what we're going to look at in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. The Bible says this, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me, according to your word. Wise, powerful response. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me, according to your word. You know, this, you you might assume like, oh, that's the only response. But actually, do you know that the the angel Gabriel came to another person at that time with an announcement of another birth? He came to Zechariah, who was in the temple of the Lord, serving in the temple, a priest. And he said the same thing. He said that you are going to have a child. Your wife is going to have a child. And he's going to have the ministry of Elijah. And he's going to prepare the way because the Messiah is coming. And and Zechariah's response was the opposite of Mary's. Zechariah said, how can this be? How could this possibly be? And the angel, do you remember what he did? He told Zechariah, shh, you're done talking now. (laughs) You've said enough. And Zechariah wasn't able to speak until the birth of John, when finally he came in agreement with the angel, saying his name is John. The angel said, how can this be? He says, my name is Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Almighty. That's how this can be. Shh. <laughs> so you see that response, but Mary's response is different. Let's read it again. Mary's response is, she says, behold, I'm a servant. Let it be, not how can it be, let it be to me according to your word the most important thing a young person can have in their life the most important thing a child can have in their life is a believing mother you could boil this whole sentence down to one one word belief she believed and the most important thing a child can have is a believing mother a praying mother a faith filled mother many of you are here because of a believing mother isn't this true do you remember when Paul was writing to Timothy and he's telling him to stir up the gifts that are within him and he says, and he says I know that you got it and I know that you're the guy because I, I know that you're here by God because of the faith of your mother and your grandmother. In other words, Timothy, Timothy's a pastor. Timothy's a, a, um, a disciple of Paul because his mother and his grandmother had faith. And many of us have that same testimony. I can't tell you how many young men I talked to in Remnant when I ask them, you know, what's your testimony? What's your story? Eventually it gets along to my mom was praying for me. I was doing this. I was doing that. I was doing that. And then you say, was it a sermon? Was it a conference? Was it a song? It was a mom. A mom was praying for me. There's nothing more powerful. Moms are the atomic bombs of the spiritual world. When they pray, God hears. And here Mary is showing us what it looks like to be a, a, a woman of God, a, a mother whom God chooses, a, a, a disciple, and she believes. And so it's accounted to her righteousness. And the angel tells her that her cousin Elizabeth has also conceived. And so she goes and she visits Elizabeth. Elizabeth. And in verse 41, when Elizabeth sees her, the Bible says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's awesome. And she exclaimed with a loud cry as Mary walked in, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Here's John the Baptist already fulfilling his mission to to announce and proclaim the coming of the king. In verse 45, and this is Elizabeth speaking, and and she's speaking about Mary, and she says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary, the mother of Christ, she is the blessed mother because her belief in the Word of God. Because belief brings blessings. Eternal, unchanging, powerful blessings. They start with the seed of belief. And I think sometimes we disregard. We tend to disregard Mary. And we we tend to kind of treat her like every other person when the Bible doesn't. It calls her highly favored. And I think kind of maybe we disregard her because our Catholic brothers and sisters go over the top with Mary, all right? It's like a seeming like they worship or a soft uh, deifying, and, and so us Protestants go the other direction and almost seem to totally disregard Mary, but we never want to have reactionary theology. Your theology, your belief, doesn't want, it should not be a reaction to someone else maybe getting it off wrong, it's sort of odd. You know, no, no, our, 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 our theology needs to be from Scripture. And so let's look at what the Scripture says about the, the mother of Christ and, and see her example that she sets for us because I believe that Mary is a picture of a Bible-believing, a believing Christian. She is an example of belief for us. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, right now we want to hear from you, God, and we want to receive everything that you have to say, Lord. And so right now, God, we, uh, we ask for you to open our hearts and our minds as we look at the life of Mary. And I pray, God, that the principles, the actions of her life, may they become intertwined with our principles and our actions, God, because we want to be more like you and more like the people whom you loved. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people, said, amen. 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 The Bible calls Mary blessed over and over. And it continually highlights her belief. There's a a specific moment in Jesus' ministry when he's ministering, and it's so powerful. People are moved by his words. They can sense there's something very different about this man, different than any of the other rabbis. And this unique moment happens where a woman in the crowd begins to shout out, and she begins to speak to Jesus about his mother. And she And as he spoke, the Bible says in Luke chapter 11 and said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to Jesus, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So this woman hears hears Jesus speaking and she says, your mom, she's blessed. There's something supernatural about her, but Jesus gives gives us the key. No, 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 it's it's not not the the supernatural thing about her isn't just her womanhood or the fact that that I was born through her. The supernatural thing about Mary that Jesus points out to us is that she heard the word and she kept it. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying the unbelievable thing about Mary is that she believed that the reason she's blessed is because she believed. More than bearing him, more than raising him, she believed God's word about him. And that's good news because we can, we can all do this. We can all hear the word of God. We can believe it, and we can keep it. Therefore, we all can be blessed. We can all align with Mary and say, we want to live like that because we want to be blessed like that. Jesus says, what's significant about my mother? She's a believer. In fact, you could argue that Mary, the mother of Christ, was really the first believer. You could argue that she was the first Christian. Because from the very first moment that Jesus is proclaimed, it's proclaimed to her, and she believes. Mary heard the promise of Christ announced by the angel Gabriel. She saw the response of John the Baptist within Elizabeth's womb when his presence entered the room. Mary birthed Jesus in Bethlehem. She saw the shepherds bow. She saw the wise men bring their gifts. And she saw the teachers in the temple astonished at the wisdom of Christ as a boy. Mary witnessed Jesus' first miracle. She heard his sermons. She watched the crowds receive and reject him. And she stood at the foot of the cross and saw his body pierced, crucified, and buried in another man's tomb. And the book of Acts tells us that she was there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost praying with the early Christians and she received the Holy Spirit. Think about that life. She saw it all. She was there for it all. And she believed along the way. Mary shows us how to live a life of faith. Mary shows us how to be a believer. How to be a believer. How many people here, you say, I want to be a believer. I want the blessings that come from being a believer. Mary shows us the way. And, and I, so I think, I think, you know, I think it's foolish to disregard her. Because her ministry was very powerful, and her ministry was her motherhood. And, and, you know, my wife pointed this out, and I thought it was a brilliant point. You know, so many, you read so many um, lists of, like, powerful women of the Bible, you know, and you got Deborah, you got Esther, but Mary's, Mary's never on the list. Mary should be number one on the list, blessed and highly favored. And she shows us this is what it looks like to live a life of faith. When she saw all of these things taking place, powerful, the Bible tells us she did something very critical. And it's one of the things I believe we can learn from her. The Bible says his mother, Mary, treasured all these things in her heart. And she pondered, what do these things mean? Two times the Bible says this phrase about her in the book of Luke. So what is she doing? She's contemplating God. She's prayerfully meditating on the things of God. What does a life of faith look like? It looks like a life of contemplation, not complaining. It, it, it looks like a life that, that says, God, what are you doing here? Not that's always rushing to opinions. She's, she's treasuring what she's seeing in her heart. And she's seeing these powerful things, even at a young age. And, and this is. This is what God allows mothers to see before anyone else. He allows mothers to see the seeds of significance in their children at a very young age. Before anyone else sees what they're good at or bad at. Before anyone else sees their career unfold or their ministry or their life. Before anyone else sees the spouse or the children, the mother sees the seeds of significance planted in the child. And this is a gift from God. But why does God allow you to see those things? He allows you to see those things, please hear me, so that you will prayerfully contemplate what you're seeing. You know, he lets you see your child, and maybe, maybe your child is, is an emotional one, and the mother begins to see it. God lets you see that so you begin to pray. Lord, let those emotions drive them towards you, not away from you. Let, let those emotions lead to a life of prayer you know, let, let them be a worshiper. The, the Lord will let you see the seeds, maybe maybe of a child that has a brilliant mind, but, but the mother can begin to pray, Lord, let that mind not be hijacked for the enemy. May it not lead them down the, the false road of atheism, but let them be an apologist. Let them have a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. The mother can water the seeds that only she can see. And Mary saw those things in Christ's at a very young age, and 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 she pondered them, the Bible says, in her heart. In other words, she didn't ponder them in her mind. She didn't constantly think about them, trying to solve them, trying to figure out what's next. But she buried them deep and said, Lord, I'm willing to wait and I'm willing to hear because God speaks, we know, deep to the heart. And you know what else? She didn't contemplate him with her with her tongue. In other words, she didn't talk to everyone else about it. Because, see, this is the most difficult thing. And this is an area where Mary really inspires me that she wasn't telling everybody about everything. Come on, if an angel showed up in your room, <laughs> you'd be telling everybody. Mary's not at the salon telling all the other moms, Well, my son is God. So, what's your son's GPA? Well, the fact. That she has the spiritual discipline to hide these things in her heart and say, God, what are you doing? Lord, speak to me about these things. It's very powerful so God can speak. Because see, the thing is when we when we don't hide things in our heart, instead we tell everyone, every single revelation, every single thing God's speaking to you, God can't speak anymore. Because now you're speaking and everyone else is speaking. And so God's trying to say, like, I started this conversation and now I guess I'm I'm out of it. You guys formed a circle, you're good. But, but Mary said, I'm not going to talk to everyone else about this. I'm going to let God continue to reveal what's going on. No wonder she was chosen. When, when, the, when the shepherds came to the cave and they showed up, the Bible says she pondered what's happening here in her heart. Because it was a significant moment, those shepherds showing up. Do you remember where they were when the shepherds showed up? They were in Bethlehem, the town of David. And, and so it's like if a king is going to be born... He's gonna be born in the town of the king. And and what's even more powerful is that it was shepherds that came to the cave. Shepherds. Because you remember what David was before he became a king? He was a shepherd. So it's almost as if, it's almost as if God brings David back to the manger and, and has David kneel, the king, kneel before the king. And so she's looking around, and she's seeing this, and she's saying, this is something unique. And she's treasuring it in her heart. Wow. Even the fact that the most common of all people, the shepherds, are brought here. God, what are you doing? Twelve years later, she goes to the temple. Well, this is the total opposite of Bethlehem. This is Jerusalem. And this is the temple. And it's gold, and it's stunning. This is not a little cave. This is the top of the top, the best of the best, the holiest of the holy. And, and you remember the story, it was after Passover, they're going home, and Mary asked Joseph, hey, where's Jesus? And, and, and uh, Joseph asked Mary, you tell me where, you're supposed to be in charge of Jesus. And they got in a fight, Now none of that's in the Bible. <laughs> and they lost him for a whole day. So if you've ever lost your kid at like Toys R Us for a little bit, you know, you're okay. You know, at least it wasn't for a day. And they go all the way back and they search for him and three days later they find him and he was in the temple and he was going back and forth with the religious elite at that time, the top of the top. And you know, the Bible says that the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees were astonished, that's the word, astonished at the wisdom of this 12-year-old boy. And Mary says to him, look, you, we were anxious, we were worried, Where were you? And he says, like, I'm here to do my father's business. And she's having a hard time saying, what are you talking about? Like, that's at Nazareth. That's carpentry. Get in the car. <laughs> and, and, but then the Bible says, but then she hid these things in her heart because she knew something's going on here that's beyond normal, supernatural. There's something about this that's connected to his calling. And if you take a look at that, you say, well, his calling was to fulfill the law. He was going to astonish the religious leaders for the rest of his life. And if you could even put those two moments together, you see that God, by the time he's 12, he has already reached all spectrums of mankind, the, sh- the lowest of the low to the shepherds in the fields, the highest of the high to the leaders in the temple. Jesus, Jesus came for them all, spoke to them all, and Mary saw this and she saw the seeds of this and she, 12 years apart, began to contemplate it in her heart and she prayed. And, and, she, and then we have the lost years where where we don't know what, what happened. But the story begins where Jesus is 30 years old, and Mary, uh, she, she's at a wedding in Cana along with Jesus and his disciples. And, and at this point, she has been contemplating for 30 years, who is this man, and what is his calling? And she's been praying for the moment when he was going to do what was promised about him. And, and here they are at a wedding festival, of feast, and they're partying. And do you know the story? The... Um, the, the the wine ran out from the festival. And that, that's not the worst thing to happen. It's humiliating for those people and in that culture, but it's not the worst of all things to happen. But Mary, she's a powerful woman, and she knows now's my moment. I'm going to make a request from God. And so we see her. This is what a believer does. A believer, a believer contemplates what, what's God, what God is doing in their life and in the life of their family, and a believer makes requests of God. And so she goes boldly, before Jesus. And she tells Jesus, Lord, they've run out of wine. And you know what's interesting? That's the action of intercession. You've heard of intercessory prayer. Intercession is when you pray for someone else. In other words, you get in their shoes and, and you, you realize what the circumstances are for them. And then you intercede. You become the bridge and you pray as if you pray for them and their problems as if they are your problems. And so she comes to Jesus and she says, they've run out of wine. This is on us now. And Jesus says, woman. And he doesn't say it in that way, like in our way of saying woman. Like he he says it in a more beautiful tone and it's lost in the ancient language, so don't try and copy it. (laughs) And then he says, woman, what does that have to do with me? Go talk to the wine guy. What does that have to do with me? And do you remember what Mary does? She ignores him. <laughs> Classic mom. <laughs> Classic mom. She ignores him. Because he, he, he lets her know. He says, it's not yet my time. My time hasn't come to reveal who I am. And, and it's so powerful. Mary doesn't argue with him or anything. She just, she just says, well, I'm asking, you know, essentially. And I, I just think it's so powerful that she's... she's um, She's unafraid to ask requests of God, even ones that are very unique. Like, I wonder what did Mary see leading up to that moment that she knew when the wine ran out, she's like, Jesus can handle this. Like, what did she see 15 years ago, you know, where they had dinner and the store was closed and Joseph's like, what do we do? And Jesus is like, I got this, you know, she knew something. So she goes to the king and makes a request and he says, it's not yet my time. And yet she's unafraid of making the request. And what's so powerful about this is that Jesus honors his mother so much that he shifts the cosmic scale of the time of his ministry at the request of his mother. Mother's prayers can move heaven. They can move heaven. And he honors his mother, even though he's saying, you don't understand, if I begin, it begins. And she's saying, but I'm asking but I'm asking. And so, so, so she gathers the servants together. And, and she speaks a very powerful phrase to, to them. She says to them, hey, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. So she asks him, will you do something? And he says, it's not my time yet. She says, okay, servants, come here. <laughs> Shh. Come here. Come here whatever he tells you to do do it and and what I love about this phrase is it's almost like she looks into the camera breaks the fourth wall and is looking at you today and she's teaching you this is what it looks like to be a believer this is how it works whatever he tells you to do you do it she speaks with authority that only comes from experience i don't know about you but i hear echoes of egypt in this phrase She was woken up in the middle of the night, and the angel said, flee right now and go to a foreign country and live there because you have to protect your child. And she got up in the middle of the night, she left her family, she left her home, she left everything she ever knew. She went to a different place with a different tongue in a different area. She did it all, why? Because the Lord told her to. And so now she's looking at these servants, the servants, and what are we? We're servants. And she's telling us the key, this is how you follow him. This is how you see miracles. This is how he shifts his time scale. This is how he, is how he intervenes. Whatever he tells you to do, you make sure you do it. Yeah. So Jesus gathered the, the, uh, the servants together. And you know the story. He turned water into wine. And the, 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 the wedding was saved. And they couldn't believe it. And they said, you saved the best for last. Because really, that's who Jesus is. He's the best for last. And and all of this happened because Mary knew how to make requests of God. She made requests of the Almighty. And she almost turns to us today and says, hey, trust me, this is how you approach the Son. So I, I, I pray that we learn this lesson from her. She contemplates. She requests. And lastly, at the crucifixion, she's standing at the foot of the cross the Bible says she is seen by God. She's seen by him. The Bible says that when Jesus was on the cross, Jesus saw his mother and the other disciple, John, whom he loved, standing there. Eleven other disciples had fled. Everyone was nervous and scared, but here's Mary. She's standing there at the foot of the cross, ready to sacrifice her own life, if that's what it comes to, so that she could be with her son in his most trying moments. The Bible says Jesus saw her. And I want you to know this truth today, that God sees the ministry of motherhood. He sees your ministry. And by the way, motherhood is a ministry. Maybe the first ministry. And God sees the sacrifices. He sees the travail. He sees the hurt. He sees the late nights. He sees the highs and he sees the low. He sees it all from the cross. Jesus sees you. He sees you, even in your hours of difficulty and grief. You are not alone. You are not overlooked or disregarded. The Lord sees these sacrifices of the mothers. And and that's that's really what she was in the midst of as well. It was a sacrifice for Jesus, but it was a sacrifice for Mary. In fact, when they dedicated Jesus at the temple, there was an old prophet named Simeon, and he prophesied over Jesus. And we saw a dedication today. He prophesied over Jesus, but then he turns to Mary and he says, and a sword will pierce your soul also. In other words, it wasn't just Jesus that suffered at the cross. It was Mary as well. In fact, Mary, other than Christ, is the closest to have suffered what the cross is. She shared in that suffering in a way we can't even fathom. We can't even imagine because God is not far from those who are suffering. God does not disregard those who suffer, especially the mothers who suffer, because there's not a mother that doesn't go through what her son goes through or her daughter goes through. And in that moment, Jesus sees her. And, and, he, um, and he loves her, and then he speaks to her. And he says this, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And in that moment, he points to John, his disciple, and then he said to his disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. And, and I, I find, we find this Story and this moment in the crucifixion story is so significant because God pauses the greatest act of humanity, the rescue of creation. He pauses it almost as if the earth stops turning for a moment and he sees his mom because the cross was always personal. Like, yes, God was saving everybody, but he was also saving his mother. Saving your mother, your child. The cross was that personal that he pauses everything and he sees his mother in her suffering and he, he makes sure to provide for her. He, he could have said, I'm doing something too important right now. You know, I'm doing something eternal. But he pauses the eternal and em- enters back into the temporal. And just to make sure that Mary knows, I'm going to take, take care of you. And maybe you're in this place and maybe you're, you're a woman in this place and you feel like God doesn't see you or there's no one providing for you. Please know God's promise to Mary is God's promise to you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He sees you even in your grief, in your difficulties, in your, in your trying times, tribulations, sufferings, and he will always, always, always provide. He, he says to Mary, I know you're losing a son, but I'm going to give you a son. And he gives the disciple John. And you know what I think is so beautiful about that even is that, you know, all of the disciples of Jesus were martyred. They all died prematurely except for one, John. He's the only disciple to die a natural death. He lived all the way to the end of his life. And, and it's almost as if, um, you know, it's almost as if Jesus, it's almost as if Jesus gives John to Mary and Mary to John so that for the rest of her life, there was going to be someone that would not be taken from her again. She only had to lose one son. And he, he just loves that specifically. And he loves that personally because he's that good of a God. And so even in her bereavement and even in her grief, she receives a blessing. Even in her loss of a son, she receives a son. And that's how God works with us. And, and, and if, we would, if we would to follow in Mary's footsteps, be people that contemplate what God is doing, make requests of God, we will be seen by God, known by God, loved by God, and cared for by God. Mary is the blessed mother because of her belief in the word of God, and belief brings God's blessings. And so she sings this song in Luke chapter 1, verse 47. She says, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And that prophecy has been fulfilled. Through all generations, Mary has been called blessed. Through all generations, she's been seen as a figure of what it looks like to believe. She has, she has really shown us the way with her life on what belief looks like, and belief leads to blessing.